This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Uh, This morning we'll be reading from Genesis chapter 24. Um, So if you do have your Bibles or devices, please pull them out and follow along. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son for the, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country to and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a drink of water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my lord, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camel had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. 
Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arm and heard the words of Rebekah's his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the, ma so the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder, fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore him a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. My master made me swear saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your ways. You shall take a wife for my son, for my clan and for my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you'll be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's sons. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink. I will give your camels drink also. So I drank and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Labor and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord had spoken. When Abraham's servant heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, O sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate you. 
of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai, Roy, and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that we can gather together to worship you. We thank you for this building and the field that we've been blessed to use to further your ministry over the years, and we pray that for many more years to come. We thank you for the growth we have seen over the past years, Lord, um, in this church, and we pray that it may continue with many more coming to know you. Lord, we also pray for those who are not able to be here with us. Lord, you know their needs, and we pray that you will meet them this day. We thank you for Tommy Westhead, Lord, as he travels to England. I pray that you would bless his time there. Um, as he travels, we also um, thank, uh, thank you for Seth Medeiros as he plans to travel to Thailand, Lord. I pray that you would be with him as they go um, and start their careers, Lord. Lord, we also thank you for your word that we may freely proclaim. We pray that you will be with Pastor Paul as he delivers it to us. Pray that you will speak through him to us and that we may be receptive to it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. All right. Uh, there is no longer chapter in the book of Genesis. So thank you, Josh. But like I said previously, the Word of God is the most important thing in our service. And so we're not skipping over any of it. Well, we're almost at the end of Abraham's life. The text starts off with, with Abraham, but then we really don't hear from him again. Uh, the, these are actually his, his last recorded words found in this chapter. We see that his faith has, has grown and matured. And, and that's the nature of faith. It, it doesn't remain stagnant because, because it's always being exercised. And so it either, it either grows up or gives up. But true faith grows up. We also see a wife being found for Isaac. Uh, it has at the end especially of this chapter, it has quite a, uh, a romantic, picturesque scene. Um, Isaac is, is meditating in the field. We don't really know what that means because that word, is, is, that word meditating is, is the only occurrence of that word in the entire Bible. So uh, context kind of says, you know, he's perhaps just meditating. We, we don't know if he's just relaxing. But, but anyway, he's in, he's in that field and he lifts up his eyes, and he sees the camels coming from afar. And then, and then we see Rebecca, and she lifts up her eyes as she's on the camel and dismounts. Who is that in the field coming towards us? You know, and you could, you could just, you could just pay. It's, a movie. it's right out of a movie, right? And so, 
future wife uh, meets future husband, and, and it, all, it, all looks, it all looks really nice. And oftentimes that gets the focus of this text, but the focus is really on Abraham's oldest servant and his task of finding a wife for Isaac from their own clan. It's, it's a mature faith walk that he takes. And, and we learn a lot about what it means to live by faith. But we'll focus on three primary things. All right, this is what mature faith looks like. Mature faith learns. Mature faith prays. And mature faith looks. All right, so you just got to remember three words. Learns, prays, and looks. You're probably thinking, why couldn't you get like an L for the second one? <laughs> Sorry, if you want something that goes like, you know, that's more alliteration, maybe leans, all right? Prayer is like leaning on God. All right, but first, mature faith learns. It learns and it grows. Mature faith does not come from nothing. It learns from the past lessons of life. And that's, that's how we know faith is real. When it is tested, it learns and grows. We see this with Abraham, who is described here as, as old and well-advanced in years. That, that's just colorful language for really, really old. And coincidentally, well, it's not coincidentally, Abraham is also sending his oldest servant, the one who has been him, been with him for the longest. Okay, so there's mature faith going on in, in both of these men. Now, Abraham knew that in order for the promises of God to continue, Isaac needed a wife. You can't have more generations, right, if, if your eldest and only son doesn't get married. He also knew that the wife could not be a Canaanite. Now that's because he knew that the Canaanites would eventually be judged by God because of their evil practices, right? right? God told him so. He's like, look, you're not going to possess the land right now because the iniquity of the Canaanites is not done yet. God says, I'm being patient with them. Now, a Canaanite wife would have the potential of steering Isaac's heart away from the Lord toward worshiping the gods or idols of the land. The New Testament picks up this principle when it comes to believers choosing a spouse. Uh, Christians are to marry those who belong to the Lord. And that's because, as a Christian, your greatest identity lies in being a child of God. You, you operate with the desire to do what, what pleases your Heavenly Father. All of your decisions flow in that direction. Now, can you see how difficult that would be to live with and make decisions with someone who does not share that core identity? That's, that's going to be tough, right? Now, 
Now, I'm speaking here to those who, who aren't married. Okay, if you are married to someone who is not a believer, God gives, God gives grace to you, and you are a witness of God's grace to them. Okay, so, so stick in there. So Abraham summons his oldest, his most trusted of servants, and has him pledge that he will go and find a wife for Isaac from among Abraham's extended family. Further, he would not allow Isaac to accompany him out of Canaan, the promised land. You see, Abraham doesn't want Isaac to have even a hint of what he might be missing living in Canaan and never venturing out. He doesn't want him to experience this other city. We believe it's near Haran, back where Abraham left from. So obviously Abraham knows what it's like to feel that pull back to his former life. And therefore he guards his son from that. That seems like a good parental lesson right there. The servant is, is skeptical of this plan, though. Particularly the idea of the woman, the future wife, coming with him, a stranger, to marry a man that she's never met. So this is what Abraham says in verses 7 and 8. Look at it. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman's not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So do you see how Abraham's statement here shows how his faith has matured from prior chapters? First, Abraham is being proactive. God has not spoken to him about getting a wife for Isaac. There's no visit from the Lord here, or from the angel of the Lord. But he knows the promise, and he's acting on it. He knows it's necessary for the promise to continue, and so he's going forward in that direction. Second, Abraham is not taking any shortcuts, like he did in Egypt, like he did with Hagar. There's no plan B to send Isaac to Haran if the woman won't go. Or no plan B to choose a Canaanite wife for Isaac. Abraham is done putting up the safety net in case God doesn't come through. He says to his servant, God will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. He, he knows God would want this, and he would want it no other way. No compromises. God, God never leads you into compromises. That's a choice that we alone make. 
And that's why he puts his servant off the hook if the woman doesn't come with him. Right? He knows God will get this done with him or without him. No compromise. That's mature faith. Since, since we have the topic of finding a spouse here before us, I, I think it's, it's worth mentioning that this is one of the most faith-testing times for single people who want to be married. This is never a time for compromise in your life. The beginning of this text reminds us that the best place to be is within the loving confines of God's ways and trusting him, not compromising. That means that if you can't see yourself being married, and, and I, have to, I have to go here because this is so prominent, okay, within, within our, our Western world today. If you can't see yourself being married to the opposite sex because you feel a strong attraction toward the same sex, then God has another plan for you besides marriage. God has something better for you than marriage, and you need to surround yourself with with lifelong friends from within your church family and beyond. We'll learn more about finding a spouse through this text, so, so stay tuned as we go along here. The next thing we see about mature faith is that it prays. Prayer should be like breathing to the Christian, so that we are doing it all the time. And that when something surprises us, that's our go-to. Not panic, but prayer. Prayer is necessary when living by faith because the odds are not always in our favor. Or sometimes we just don't know what to do next. And that's the case here. This was definitely the case for this servant. He had doubt about this plan working. So when he, when he gets to his destination, he prays. Look at, look at verse 11, verses 11 through 14. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the wells of water <clears throat> at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I'll water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love or loyalty to my master. I want you to notice that the servant acts in obedience. Right? He, he goes 
in the direction that he's told by Abraham, the direction that Abraham knows God needs, knows he needs to go, he gets there and he prays because he doesn't know what to do next. Right, the servant knew where to go. He places himself in a prime spot right by the well where the women come to draw water. And he's done all he can. He's done all he can. But God's not done working. So he doesn't panic. He prays. And that's what a life of faith looks like. Moving in the right direction and asking God's guidance when we don't know where to go next. When, when we examine his prayer, we see that he has devised a test to see who the right woman is. But notice what the text, notice what's in, the, in this test that he's conjured up. Right? There, there's no like, like, God, make some glowing arrows. God, send a host of angels. There's no weird signs. His test is a test for character and hospitality. A woman who does not refuse him a drink of water and one who goes the extra mile by asking if his camels want to drink as well. Now, pause for a second. Let's go back to the you know, I'm single and I want to get married people. That should be your test for a spouse as well. Not with, not with water in the wells, but character. Character should be your test for a future spouse. That's, that's the inner beauty that never fades and sustains a marriage through the, through the four worst times. Character unlike outer beauty, gets more beautiful over time. And that's, that's what you want to find in a spouse, and that's what you want to develop in yourself as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying don't, care, don't take care of yourself, right, and, and your appearance. I'm not saying that, but, but work on character above all of that, and look for character above all of that. So the servant was praying, and he was praying with his eyes open. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know, you have to pray with your eyes open, but I know this is the fact, because before he finished praying, he saw Rebecca coming onto the scene to draw water. So that tells me that he was praying in anticipation not wanting to miss what God was going to do. This reminds me of Jesus' words to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. I, I, I think we often think of prayer as only an obligation. Or, or maybe just something to make us feel better. But prayer is asking God to work. So be watchful. Be watchful in it. 
the servant assumes God is at work and runs over to her as she's coming up from the spring with her full jar of water. And he asks for a drink. The test begins. She, she quickly gives him a drink, no hesitation, and then offers water to the camels until they have finished drinking. Right? He, just, he just asked that she give water to the camels as well. Here she offers more than what the servant had asked for in his prayer. She says, I'll, I'll, I'll water your camels until they're done drinking. That's, that's another thing with prayer. We, we often expect the bare minimum from God. We subconsciously think of God as, as stingy or cheap. If, if you were ever feeling that way, I would encourage you to, to remember, memorize Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you're a gospel-believing Christian, the Father has shown you that he did not spare his own son for you. That was the most generous, gracious thing he could have ever given you. He has shown you that he is far from stingy. So expect the riches of his grace to be lavished upon you. Back, back to Rebecca. She, she's, she's quick to serve here. She goes the extra mile and beyond, just like her great-uncle Abraham. Do you remember when Abraham had three unexpected visitors and he quickly started running around baking cakes and slaughtering calves and preparing a feast? Verse 21 is, is quite funny. Look at it. The man gazed at her in silence. It's like, huh? To learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. He's, he's stunned. He's just stunned as he watches Rebecca run, not walk, run down and up from the spring with jar after jar of water for his camels. Right? Re Rebecca must have been into CrossFit or something because like 10 camels can, can rapidly drink up to like 150 gallons of water in minutes. His, his prayer is richly answered by God. Does, doesn't that give you great hope? Doesn't that, doesn't that make you want to pray and then watch? And watch while you're praying? Are, are you at the point where you don't know what to do next? Pray. Are, are you wanting to get married and, and there's no prospects on the scene? Or at least you think there aren't? Pray. Parents, are you praying for a godly spouse for your children? 
if they one day desire to be married. Start praying for them now, whether they were just born or they're adults. Pray. It's what mature faith does. The last thing that mature faith does in in our text this morning is it looks it looks in the ordinary for God working. It looks in the ordinary for God working. We, we've seen this in, in the prayer of the servant. Right? He's not expecting the supernatural, but he is expecting God to be working. The servant discerned from this event that God was at work, and so he puts a gold ring in Rebecca's nose and two gold bracelets on her wrists. He then finds out who she is. She's a descendant from Abraham's brother. Check mark. And so the servant bows his head in prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, as he again sees God is working. Right, nothing supernatural has happened, but it didn't have to, because God is at work in the ordinary, everyday events of life. And if we're not watchful, we'll miss it. Remember how Abraham had told his servant, back in in verse 7, that God would send his angel before him? You remember that? Well, he did. That angel just didn't make himself visible. Only mature believers see the angel. Others only see coincidence or luck. The events, the events of life can seem quite ordinary, but God is at work in the ordinary. We just need to be still enough to see how he is putting things together. That's important to remember because our life is lived mostly in the ordinary, isn't it? Back to those who want to be married for a second. I I know the idea of outside the ordinary is more romantic. But it's only when someone lives in our ordinary, that we really get to know them so that we can discern if they are the one God has for us. It's there that we see the true character. That that makes sense, doesn't it? Since we live our lives mostly in the ordinary, that is where we need to see a future spouse living as well. It's the ordinary that shows who people really are, instead of a show to just impress. When I, when I think about how God works in the ordinary, I'm, I'm reminded about the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrificial death and resurrection were supernatural events. 
we didn't become believers because we had some supernatural experience. We became believers because we believed in the historical account of the death and resurrection of Jesus. See, no other historic event from that long ago has anywhere near as much historic proof than that. We have not seen God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have seen him in the best-selling history book of all time, the Bible. I hope, I hope that's how you present it to your children. It's, it's not a storybook. It's a history book. And it's well-proven. In, in the words of our Lord, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It is there where we start our walk of faith. And it is only there where mature faith can continue to take each step day by day. Let's pray together. Father, there has... There is a lot in this chapter. And we've, we've truly only, only scratched the surface of it. But thank you that, that through this old faithful servant, we see a mature faith being demonstrated. Father, if we are truly in Christ, may we continue to exercise that faith and may it get strong and old and beautiful. Father, I do pray for those who, who perhaps don't understand what it means to be in Christ Jesus. Father, help them to see it starts with a, with a true faith and belief in the historical events of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a turning away from all other beliefs that are contrary to that. Help them to make that decision to begin that faith walk that they too may enjoy a mature faith as the days roll on. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.